Welcome to Harvest Valley Worship Center's Sermon of the Week. You can discover more about our church, pastors, and special guests at hvwc.com. We hope that you are blessed by today's message. All right, now I have one other special guest within. We have some people that are maybe here for the first time, but um, this guy has been here since he was born, uh, <laughs> pretty much. It's my son, Spencer, lives in Portland. Everybody say hi to Spencer. It's good to have you with us, son. Um, and um, he's, he's um, pursuing what God has for him in the Portland area, him and his wife, Renee. And um, so it's so good to have you with me. I feel the weight and the pressure to really preach well this morning. So, um, we're in a series called The Culture of Honor. You guys ready to dive in the Word? All right. I I just want to seal up all the work that's been done up to this point. So, we're going to pray real quick. We're going to dive in the Word. Okay. So, Father, I just thank you so much for the work that has been done unto this point, the lives given to you this morning. Father, I thank you that hearts and minds are being knit together with your heart and with your mind. I thank you, God, that we're learning how to share and be open and vulnerable and tell the truth about who we are. Father, I ask in Jesus' name that you would teach us how to love the way that you love. You would teach us how to accept the way that you accept. Teach us how to live the way that you lived. Everything, Father, that we do is to learn who you are and to live and be and walk with your son, Jesus. So, Father, help us to keep it simple. And we bless your name this morning. Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Well, we talked last week about connection. In order to have a culture where we honor each other well, a culture of honor is a place. Like it's a, it's a, it's a culture. It's a way of dealing with each other that says that I'm going to believe what God says about you more than what you say about you or what your behavior says about you. Um, so often uh, we will respond and react to people's behaviors. I don't like that, therefore I will not be your friend. <laughs> you know, simple things. And yet, God wants us to find who is Tony Mayo, who is this guy according to God. And even if Tony says or does something that I'm not a fan of, I need to treat him according to how God sees him, not according to what he just said and did. Now, what's important about this is that we go, well, where's the boundaries, God? Where's the boundaries? Like, I feel like I'm floating off in the ocean because some things I don't want to be around. (laughs) Some things I don't want to tolerate. I don't want to allow, right? So here's the thing. In order to have a culture of honor, you need powerful people who are okay with other people having freedom. You have to be powerful people who are okay with other people making their own choices and having their freedom. Because what religion loves to do is control. So what, what, what this means is, and a great word from Petronella earlier, what this means is that so often what we will do is try to make people look and act a certain way and control behavior and we don't actually deal with the heart. We want people to look a certain way and act a certain way and conform when their heart might be far from us, from the Lord. But they show up, they dress right, they might even raise a hand in worship, you know. They're going to, they're gonna, maybe they've got a heart that desires, that was me for a long time, I had a heart and desire to please God, but I was far from God. 
So we don't want to have a culture where we're trying to make everybody conform. We want a culture that empowers people to make choices according to their God-given design, and someone needs to tell them what that is. Someone needs to say, no, this is actually your call and your gift, and I know you don't believe it yet, but I'll walk with you to discover what it is that God says about you, okay? So that's just kind of in a nutshell, and one of the keys to this is how do we do relationship really is a huge part of how we honor. We could talk about how we honor authority, how we honor different in different uh, like relational dynamics, uh, whether it's in a church uh, structure or in a governmental structure. We could talk about all that. But really the thing that we're focused on in this season of this series is how do we do relationship well together? Okay, as believers and with unbelievers, how do you do relationships with people in a manner that allows the relationship to not only be healthy, but honoring to the Lord and honoring to those people that we're in relationship with? So last, last week we talked about one of the keys to healthy relationships is connection. We have to have a priority in a relationship to stay connected with a person. Because if, my, my, if, I, if I choose to break connection I'm actually no longer in relationship with them. Is that right? Yeah. So one of the foundations to having a good relationship is to choose connection, right? To choose to be connected to them. Uh, we talked last week about God revealing himself in the law. He revealed himself um, in the garden. He revealed himself at every turn for the sake of connection. So we talked about the fact that when God established the law, it was to reveal how to stay connected with him. The whole purpose of a sacrificial system was how can we connect with him? And he says, if you, if you follow my law, if you follow the law, now you can come near me. It's just a very, this is very, sometimes we don't think about it this way. We think about God's judgment, condemnation. We think about God, the rules bringing judgment, but we don't understand that, that the judgment's the natural side effect. It's just the natural consequence because if, we, if we're not paying attention to what God asks us to do, we begin to live in disconnection with God. We're no longer connected with Him. So, in order to have healthy relationships that achieve connection, we recognize the foundation of all relationships is unconditional love and acceptance. Unconditional love and acceptance. And I'll say it again, unconditional love and acceptance. And this is the foundation in how God sees us and deals with us. We see this in John 15. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. He says, you are my friends. You and I are connected if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. Remember, this is saying, I'm not forcing this on you. You're not a slave to me. We're friends. You and I get to partner together and do this thing together. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, 
that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you these things I command you, that you love one another. John 15, 13 through 17. On that foundation, we have several key pillars. The foundation of unconditional love and acceptance. Okay? See, while we were still sinners, he died for us. Greater man has no, greater love has no one this than to lay down his life for his friends. Jesus has proven unconditional love and acceptance to us. Would you agree with that? He did it unconditionally. We were all broken. We were, as they would like to say, jacked up. We were really in a bad place before we met Jesus. But he did it in our brokenness He took our sin, he took our shame, he took the full punishment for us while we didn't earn it or deserve it. That's how God does relationship with us on this foundation of unconditional love and acceptance. Now, if that's the foundation, there's some pillars that I think a healthy relationship has. One of them is honor, right? That's a pillar. One of them is love. I think love is a good, right? It's one of those pillars. I think faith is a good pillar, right? Believing the best in somebody. It takes faith to do that, right? Being, being grounded and rooted in a healthy relationship, maybe it's that you both have faith in God, right? Some of these pillars um, might be things like vision, Having a vision for your relationship. Where are you going together? Do you have, a, do you have anywhere that you're going? Or are we just hanging out? If you're just hanging out, that's a vision. Right? You, some, is there somewhere that you want to go? One of the things that transforms marriages is when they realize that God actually put a vision on their marriage that's bigger than just themselves. And they go, huh. Wait, you mean God, you paired us together to create a multiplication of effort in the world? You mean two is better than one? To do your will and your work in the world? Right? It's just like suddenly like marriage is all the problem and the infighting tends to like tamp down a little bit because we have somewhere we're going. We're moving in a direction, right? Vision I think is important for healthy relationships. But I want to talk about three pillars that I think are really critical that maybe we've lost the handle on um, in our current culture Right? And these are responsibility, self-control, and telling the truth. These three pillars I want to talk about today, and next week we're going to talk about healthy communication because we have to touch on communication in light of honor. How do we communicate things in an honoring way and tell the truth and communicate things in a way that actually honors the Lord? Most of us are not good communicators, so I expect this place to be full next week. Amen. Um, so I want to talk about, um, real quickly before we get into that, that in John 15, he says this, he's like, I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, right? And, and so one of the fruit, not one of the fruit, but a list of fruits is the fruit of the spirit, right? Galatians five, right? Love, joy, peace patience or long-suffering, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. These fruit, right, and against such things, there is no law, right? Like this is good, 
No matter, no matter what, when the Spirit's working, it's good, right? I don't like the long-suffering part, but it's part of the fruit of the Spirit. One of the realities is that as we choose God and He's chosen us and we come to Him, one of the natural results of that life lived with God is, in fact, fruit that is not normal for your life to start coming forward. Self-control is not normal, but it happens when you walk in Christ. And so as we talk about these different things, I think it's important to know that when the Holy Spirit is at work in us, we think less of ourselves. We start to walk in humility. We start to look for connection instead of making it all about us. Healthy relationship is when you start actually thinking about the other person more than yourself. That maintains connection very well. Humility is required. The fruit of the Spirit will always foster a better connection. I'll say it again. The fruit of the Spirit will always foster a better connection with the people around you. The devil loves division, loves breaking He loves creating isolation, division, and shame. That's the devil's work. When the fruit of the Spirit comes, you can have a disagreement and still stay connected. Why? Because I'm willing to suffer with them not agreeing with me. I can have patience. I can be gentle instead of hit them over the head with a hammer because they need to agree with me. You seek to understand instead of make them do it your way, right? All right, are we good? All right, here we go. Self-control, let's start with that. First point, self-control. Self-control is at the core of being a powerful person. It's at the core of being a powerful person. It means that you can tell yourself what to do and you can make yourself do it. Okay, you can tell yourself what to do and you can make yourself do it. This is self-control. Many of us want to build better habits. We want our life to be more disciplined. This is the realm of self-control. Okay, it's a fruit of the Spirit. Sometimes we're like, I've tried 87 different systems to be more self-controlled. And well, maybe we need to pray through that because it's a fruit of the Spirit. Come on now. I struggle with working out as often as I should. I feel kind of tired today. I don't feel like running that three miles. I don't feel like doing however many push-ups is on my chart to do today. Self-control says, not only will I do it, say I'm going to do it, but then I am able to follow through with it. Self-control means you manage yourself, your mind, your will, and your emotions. Okay. Now, we know it's a fruit of the Spirit, but in order to learn how to say no to some things, to be self-controlled in order to say no, and Mika preaches this all the time in her practice when she's got patients and clients in front of her, sometimes we have to have a bigger yes than our no. 
Sometimes we need the goal, we need a motivator, something like we need a big yes in order to move forward. Now, now, when we aren't the one choosing our goal, we are no longer in control. If you want self-control, you have to be the one that says, this is what I'm pursuing, not what this other person's pursuing on my behalf. Sometimes that's a hard conversation with your spouse who's been begging you to do something for a while. And self-control says, I'm going to choose to do it because I'm going to do it. Not just because it's what somebody else wants me to do. Now, hopefully there's some love in that relationship and you want to help them because it's, you know, you want to do it because you want to serve them, right? But you're the one in control, okay? This is really important. I I know a lot of of, uh, this classical version of the um, kind of a caricature of marriage where the woman nags and the husband puts it off and puts it off and puts it off and puts it off. Self-control says, I love you, and I can choose to do the thing that you want to do. That's self-control. It's not someone else controlling you when you choose to do it. Are we okay? I know, I just totally kicked a sacred cow. I apologize for that. I heard it mooing in the background. It's struggling. All right. Stephen Covey, who's an amazing author on uh, discipline, and, and he wrote Seven um, Habits of a Highly Effective Person. He says, you have to decide what your highest priorities are and have the courage, pleasantly, smilingly, non-apologetically, to say no to other things. And the way you do that is by having a bigger yes burning inside. The enemy of the best is often the good, right? When we operate consistently in self-control, We become reliable and trustworthy. This is very important in a relationship. When you operate in self-control, you become reliable and trustworthy. A lack of self-control creates anxiety in the people around you. I'll say it again. A lack of self-control creates anxiety in the people around you, and it's because there is a breakdown in trust in the relationship. See, when I was dealing with addiction, many of you know my story with alcoholism, pornography, different issues that I was addicted to. Those closest to me could never fully trust me. Why? Because I lacked self-control. They didn't know what was going to happen next. Why? I didn't have self-control. Something else was controlling me. They loved me. They wanted the best for me, and many of them spoke life into me, but they could also tell I was unsafe because I was not in control. We must learn how to manage our freedom through self-control, and self-control allows us to manage ever-increasing freedoms in our lives and relationships. Okay, so... One of the core pillars, if I'm going to lay out a foundation of unconditional love and acceptance, if I want healthy relationships, I have to operate as a powerful person with self-control. Are you with me? Okay, good. Let's move on to the next one, responsibility, right? Um, I've, I've used this book as kind of a, a backdrop for some of the material that I've used in the sermon series um, but Danny Silk's, um, not Culture Runner, uh, Keep Your Love On, great book 
phenomenal book. I think it should be required reading for everybody. Um, but he says this. He breaks down this word responsibility. He says, the word it means ability to respond. Response is the opposite of reaction. Responsibility is the capacity to face any situation and make powerful choices that are consistent with who you say you are. We don't run away from difficulty or an arena of life you dislike. This is about taking full ownership of your life and you gain confidence and momentum in making good decisions. Responsibility is choosing to make good decisions, to be responsible, to respond. And he also says it's to respond to his ability, right? Not just yours. Responsibility is responding to his ability. Proverbs 14.8 says, The wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way, but the folly of fools is deceit. The wisdom of the prudent, the wisdom of the responsible is to understand his way. And it's not the big H. It's that person's way, their way. Like, it's about you understanding your ways. You understand why you make the decisions you make and then choosing to make better decisions in response instead of just reacting. Being responsible in, any, in anything, we think about um, uh, responsibility in the order of, of taking on more and more things that you've got to manage or carry. Many of us men feel the weight of responsibility because we've been told over and over that our responsibility is lead in the home, make the money, do the things, right? Like we got a list, right? And so we will often carry that responsibility on our own backs. But that's not really necessarily the best way to be responsible. What if you just did your part and responded to God's ability to work in and through you? Now, responsibility has to move in, in according to the um, compass of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? It means that you're responding to His ability. When you operate in tandem with God and you live according to His plans and purposes, it creates a relationship where you can be confident and relaxed because you live responding to God and His directions for your life. Many of us, get in sticky situations with people, conflict. Uh, we have difficult circumstances that come up and we react to it instead of respond, right? We don't sit back and we say, okay, Lord, how do you want me to respond? We're like, that triggered me and I'm gonna just react in the way that I... Responsibility is choosing to always respond instead of react. It's choosing to come at it from God. What are you asking of me in this? I'm going to move according to how you're asking me to be responsible in this situation. What kind of ownership do I need to take? We actually don't just lean like God's design is good. Amen? Amen. God's design is good. That is a great framework to operate in. And yet, if you're taking on more than what he's asking you to do, you have to stop and say, God, I want to be responsible to what you're asking me to do. Because, listen, pastoring a church, owning a business, everything, if you're the owner of a business, everything falls on your back. What your employees do, what they don't do, what's happening, what gets done, what doesn't get done, all of those types of things. If you're a business owner, 
Like, it's all on you. Well, what's your responsibility? Well, hopefully it's not to burn yourself out and do every little thing yourself. So we have to walk in tandem with the Holy Spirit saying, okay, what is it that I'm actually supposed to be doing? Because too often we get fried in our lives. Whether or not you're a homemaker, whether or not you work part-time, doesn't matter. Our responsibility is to move at the speed of the Holy Spirit. We don't see any, well, we see only one example in Scripture of, of the picture of God running. He walked everywhere. And that's the prodigal son coming home and the father ran. That's the only time you see a picture, an image of God running. Every other time he just walks. Maybe our responsibility is to slow down. That goes back to self-control, hallelujah. All right, last one, and this is really the biggest one of the day is truth. John 8, 31 and 32 says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Well, this is the whole point of today. Truth uh, in a relationship is often expressed in this concept of trust, how well we trust one another, right? And trust is not predicting somebody's behavior. Like, I can trust that if I call this person, they're never going to call me back. I can expect it. I can expect that they're not going to call, but that's not what trust is, Okay? Trust and expectation are different. I trust that you will do X, Y, and Z is not trust, it's expectation. But trust is a place of vulnerability and exposure. I've heard many people talk about vulnerability and openness in really odd ways over the years. Um, like, I'm going to be really open and vulnerable with you, and they'll start telling me about this they'll start bragging about an experience that they had. Like, in a real, it's all super positive. And after a while, I'm like, can I hear your dirt, please? Like, I mean, you're amazing. I only hear great things from you, about you. It's pretty odd. That's not vulnerability to me. You telling me all the great things you've done and how awesome you are and all your ecstatic experiences, great. That's not vulnerability. You are exposing something to me about how great you are and all the things you've done, but that's not vulnerability. Vulnerability is when you express to somebody, here's my truth in that I'm broken. Here's my brokenness. Now we're getting somewhere. Now trust can be built. Trust isn't built based on how awesome I think you are. It's based on I know you. I know you. I know that you're broken. I know you struggle. I love the fact that we got men in this church who are willing to stand up on a platform and say, here's my trauma from childhood. Amen. Guess what? We all began a process of increasing trust in Craig today because we got to hear truth. 
man, it was uncomfortable at a couple points. I'm like, where are we? I wasn't fully comfortable or prepared. But it was beautiful and it was amazing. And I've now, all of us have entered into a deeper level of trust because we heard the truth. Now, we have to choose to take some risks in relationships. That only comes in telling on yourself. Come on now. If we live our lives trying to make ourselves look good to everybody around us, you will have shallow relationships the rest of your life. But if we could be honest about our failures, if we could be honest about our faults, if we can be honest about our brokenness, about yourself, not your spouse. Hey, let me tell you how broken my spouse is. Time out. Not good. Not good. I don't want to hear it. Yeah, it might be called gossip. Yeah. So, um, one of the things that's really important is that we learn how to tell on ourselves. Honestly, exposing your weaknesses, faults, and misgivings to another person builds trust. It builds trust. But we're afraid of it. Why? Somebody might abuse that trust. Somebody might use our vulnerability against us. I, I, I just tell you, most of us have an irrational fear when it comes to this. It's irrational. It's an irrational fear because very rarely does that actually happen. But it's always looming out here, so we never fully say who we really are assuming that somebody's going to abuse our trust. We don't test the waters even. A bunch of people here have tested these waters and they found it's pretty good. Yep. Yeah, trust is being willing to tell the truth about who we really are. We don't have a depth of relationship, relational trust unless we learn to expose our failures and fears. I want to um, read to you 1 John 1, 6 through 10. I'm going to read it in the Passion Translation. It's kind of a, a type of, of translation. It's not a verbatim tale, but it's just a beautiful perspective on this passage. It says, verse 6 says, If we claim that we share life with Him but we keep walking in the realm of darkness, we're fooling ourselves and not living the truth. But if we keep living in the pure light that surrounds God, surrounds Him, we share unbroken fellowship with one another. So when we live in the light, when we're able to be fully seen and fully known in all of our brokenness, we actually, that's when we have unbroken fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, His Son, continually cleanses us from all sin. Many of us have some sin that's stuck in the darkness because we've been unwilling to tell the truth. And we're, we're battling it. We're wondering, why can't I get breakthrough? Why can't I be free? Why, why is it that I struggle so much with these sins and I can't seem to have a breakthrough? Has anybody ever been through that? Oh, good. Okay, I'd say probably a majority of the honest ones. 
So there's this reality that we step into where we, in, the, in plain version, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Tell the truth about who you are. He says this if in uh, the Passion Translation, if we boast that we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and are strangers to the truth. But if we freely admit our sins when light uncovers them, He will be faithful to forgive us every time. God is just to forgive us our sins because of Christ. He will continue to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we claim that we're not guilty of sin when God uncovers it with His light, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Relationships are healthy when we choose to tell the truth about our faults and misses with each other. The, the, the core team that we have here, they know all my dirt. They do. They know my failures. They know my weaknesses. They know my faults. I don't hide stuff from them. Why? We're in relationship together. Not just functional, but we do life. Trust is a choice. And we all have parts of ourselves to give away that means something to us. Now, let me tell you, I'm not vulnerable with everyone. Can I just, like, let me just put this out here. I'm not vulnerable with everyone because I'm not in a relationship of that depth with everyone. I may play a role in your life, but if you don't have any desire to really know me or know my struggles, if you never ask me a single question about my life, I won't tell you. If you're not curious about what's happening in somebody's heart and mind, then you really don't want relationship. You want them for something. Let me say it again. If you're not curious to ask somebody what's going on in their life, what's happening in their world, then you don't want relationship. You want something from them. I'll say it to this side. If, if you're not curious about what is happening in somebody's life, you are making assumptions about who they are. If you're not curious, then you're not actually wanting relationship. You want something from them. Now, I don't have any problem telling anybody anything about my world. I don't care. But if you don't ask, what do you need? I'll serve you. If you're not curious, if you're not going to ask a question about me, then I understand that we're in a, we're, I'm here to serve you. I'm here to help you get on your way. Because that's what God set me aside to do. He set me apart to help people get breakthrough and get to where they're going. It ain't about me. And I'm okay serving anybody. If I serve you, it doesn't mean that we're BFFs, especially if you never ask me a question about me. I can't count how many times I've had coffee with people and it breaks my heart because I was like, oh, we're going to have a relationship. I'm excited to meet with this person. I'm excited to connect. And they tell me everything and they talk and they talk. And I spent two hours with one guy. I was really excited. And at the end, I said, do you have any questions for me? He's like, no, we're good. 
He didn't want to know me. He's trying to impress me enough to get my platform or to get something. I don't know what, I don't even know what it was. I'm like, listen, it's also, I'm, I'm very aware that not everybody understands how to build a relationship. So I'll just keep asking questions. If I want relationship with somebody, I'm pursuing them. I'm asking questions. Tell me more, tell me more, tell me more, right? So can I just encourage us as we are in the pursuit of truth in relationship to just start asking more questions? Just be a little bit more curious about the people around us. Because listen, we are all here for a reason and it's not all for ourselves. <laughs> Believe it or not. Good call, Christy. She says, "Believe it or not." <laughs> I know that I will not be entrusting the most difficult things in my heart to those who can't safely guard my heart. Bill Johnson put it this way, and, and this is one of the phrases that stood out with me. I was, I was um, two stories that impacted me when I got to spend some time, a little bit of time with him um, when, when we were in Hawaii um, back in 2015. Spence, you remember that trip? Um, we went to Hawaii with Ed Soloso and spent some time there. And, um, I, you know, he shared the story about losing his father, which he just has brought that whole story back around and losing his wife recently. Um, and just the, the, there's these moments that you only get one chance to give God praise in that heartache, in the breaking, in that, that moment of just loss. Like, do it well, right? Like, powerful, like, stuff. Like, as humans, we don't get to worship God in our pain in heaven. We only get the opportunity to worship God in our pain here. That's heavy. That was life-changing for me. And the other one really was this concept of the garden of his heart. Like, not letting, like, the Proverbs talks about your heart as a garden. And he's like, I can, ser- I can give of the fruit of the garden of my heart to anybody. But there's very few people I let actually tend the garden of my heart. Because some people go, ooh, I don't like that tree that's producing great fruit, and they try and cut it down. No, I get, to, I get to be the one to choose. This is self-control. I get to be the one to choose who gets to tend the garden of my heart. Okay? Now, I can give and share of the fruit of what God's doing in my life with anybody. I don't mind doing that at all. I'm just, I'm just making it personal for me, so that not because I'm saying that I, I'm offended or hurt by anybody here. I'm not. I'm really not. I just know that curiosity will cure some of the relational problems we have in this church. Curiosity will cure it. The Spirit prompts Terry to call Tim. Hey, get up the phone. That's called responsibility. Responding. Right? You take the responsibility to make the phone call because you were prompted and you've got enough self-control to grab the phone, pick up the phone, dial the number, put it up to your ear. Sorry, phone. I don't know what we're doing for phone symbols nowadays. But put it up to your ear and you make the call while you're responding. You take a responsibility by the prompting of the Spirit. You're operating in self-control and you ask questions. How are you doing? What's happening in your world? What's going on? 
and you start to have an openness and the truth begins to come out, now we've got a relationship developing in trust. It's pretty cool. And we can do a lot more of that. All right. Listen, I got to hear and obey the Lord in all of these promptings. And I also have to not allow my judgments of others to be a driver in whether or not I tell the truth about who I am. Sometimes we make judgments about people and, and, we, don't, and we withhold the truth. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. The truth shall set you free. Tell the truth about who you are. Okay? Even if you're trembling, tell the truth about who you are. All right. We got to trust God's care, love, and protection when we choose openness and vulnerability. We don't demand trust. We display trust by telling the truth. When we tell the truth, it produces intimacy. Right? Will you stand with me as we just kind of close out our time this morning? I hope this is okay for you. Um, these teachings... This kind of style of, of like, hey, I want to give us some real practical, hopefully some, some perspectives on how to do life, how to do relationship with each other. It is so that we can look more like Jesus. You guys get that? It's not just so that we can dance around and go, we got great relationships. It's to look more like Jesus. To love the way Jesus loves. To live the way Jesus lived to care for the broken and the hurting as much as Jesus does, which is each of us on some level. We need to become more like him. And this is the goal of why do we choose self-control and responsibility and to tell the truth is because we had a perfect model in Jesus that we were to follow. And this is what he did. He told the truth. He operated in self-control and he took responsibility. So in its simplest form, we want to be like Jesus. Jesus did something absolutely radical that none of us would do. On the night that the disciples would betray and abandon him, he chose to wash their feet knowing they would betray him. He chose to wash their feet he chose to give of himself. He didn't withhold himself. He didn't withdraw himself. He didn't break connection with them, even though he knew what was coming. He even made a new covenant with them in order to deepen his connection with them. Knowing he was about to be betrayed, he tried to deepen connection with them. Who does that? Jesus. Jesus. Jesus does that. Because he's someone who really knows how to manage trust. He knew what to expect of them, and it was betrayal. And knowing that, he invited them into a deeper truth and opportunity for greater intimacy. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much that you're giving us opportunity to become more like you today in how we do relationships and how we see each other and the way that we live together. Forgive us, God, for withholding who we are from those people that love and care about us. 
Forgive us for hiding behind masks, not telling the truth. Father, I thank you that it is in the truth being told that we are brought into right fellowship with you and man. Father, I, I, and I think this would be some, a question that I think just is a basic, basic question for us today around truth. Who are we versus who do we present to others? And just begin to ask the Lord to deal with God. Help me be authentic and presenting to the world who I really am instead of withholding or presenting a false version of myself. So Holy Spirit, will you just come and do the work that only you can do in our hearts so that we not present a false version of ourselves, but we present fully who you've made us to be, that we present the truth of who we are. Father, I pray that you would help us take full ownership of our lives and our passions and our actions. Help us to respond to your ability. Help us steward and and take responsibility for what you've given us, God. Teach us how to manage our freedom better, God, with self-control. Help us find a bigger yes. Come on, church, just put your hand on your heart this morning and just ask the Holy Spirit to just do a supernatural work in you. Just say, just in your own way, just ask the Holy Spirit to come and just do a supernatural work in you and your ability to have healthy relationships with those around you. Help us, God. Help me, Lord. Help me to be honest and tell the truth and, Father, to be responsible with what you've given me. Help me, God, to operate in self-control at every turn. Father, I'm asking that you fill us with your spirit this morning, that we take on the challenge of vulnerability, take on the challenge of telling the truth, take on the challenge of openness. And we thank you, God, that this service opened with someone being vulnerable and telling the truth. And we bless your name, God, that you are the God who puts things in divine order for a gathering so we can understand what you're calling us into and see it played out in front of us. We are so grateful, God. We are so grateful, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I'm asking right now that you would fill each person up with love and shame has to go in Jesus' name. That thing that would freeze us and keep us from telling the truth, that shame has to go in Jesus' name. I command shame broken off of you in Jesus' name. I command shame broken off of you in Jesus' name. You are free to tell the truth and be loved in your brokenness because God loves you in your brokenness. Stop withholding your life from God because of shame. Father, I pray that you would highlight to each of us the safe people, those people that we can be safe with, those people that we can be open and honest with, 
that are going to guard our hearts as we expose our faults, that are going to love us unconditionally even in our brokenness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen and amen. I'm going to ask Dennis and Colleen to come up. And Mika and I will be up here. We just want to open up the altars. If you feel like, I feel like. Thank you for joining us today. Harvest Valley Worship Center is called to be a refuge for healing and a launch pad for transformation. If this message impacted you today, please let us know in a comment, or you can email us at media at hvwc.com. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to connecting with you.